Welcome to Funny Women Behind the Scenes, a sequined covered podcast hosted by international showgirl and comedian Ivy Page. We'll be exploring what it's really like to work in the entertainment industry, from live comedy and cabaret to television and film. Brought to you by Funny Women, the leading community for female comedy. So let's get on with the show and welcome your host, Ivy Page. Welcome. This is your flame-haired titan of teas, Ivy Page, in my burlesque boudoir, a place of glitz, glamour and show business guests. Take a seat on my chaise lounge as we break the fourth wall, peel back the velvet curtains and reveal what really happens in the world of entertainment behind the scenes. She's a Funny Women Stage Award finalist, has been nominated for the Lester Mercury Award, placed second in the Laughing Horse New Comedian Award and was recently featured in the New York Times. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome the award-winning comedian and writer, Jen Ives. Hello, Ivy. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Can you say that thing about the New York Times again? I never get sick of hearing it. Okay. And she was recently featured in the New York Times. I've never been to New York either. That's so exciting. I like, so I've been thinking about that recently, like imagining like, I don't know, like Martin Scorsese reading about me, right? It's pretty exciting. Yeah, in a really swanky hotel over a, over a coffee. Yeah, exactly. Eating a bagel and, and saying forget about it (laughs) (laughs) just before a really big film uh, producers meeting yeah exactly who's that starlet i want her in my movie (laughs) (laughs) call up her people and then they can speak to our people exactly and then i'll play really hard to get for like a couple of months and then lose the role (laughs) (laughs) but then you'll have great stories to tell about it exactly mine and marty's night on the town (laughs) okay so let's start there then new york times yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's just mad. Like I don't, I don't really know how it. I I've kind of forgotten how it came about. <laughs> like basically, they mess. I think they got in touch with my agent about. Um, they were doing like a piece about, um, the state of sort of like trans rights in the UK, and they wanted to talk specifically to sort of like trans comedians and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's like three of us, so <laughs> I was one of them, and I got to be in the New York Times. Yeah, it's really exciting. And so, when did this happen? Um, it was like about six months ago now, I think it was like during the lockdown, (laughs) definitely was definitely, uh, it was definitely during the lockdown. Yeah. Um, it all happened over like webcam, like, like this had like a four hour kind of chat with the journalist from the New York times. I probably said lots of, um, inflammatory sort of liable things <laughs> and uh he managed to whittle that down into like a, a couple of sentences that made me look good so uh well it's incredible isn't it to be in the New York Times I mean I don't think there are many comedians that can say that yeah it's pretty mad I mean I'm glad I- that it was to do with comedy as well like it was something actually it wasn't just like he's this weird <laughs> no it was good um so come on tell us a bit more about your comedy career today so how did you get from uh, to, to the New York Times? Yeah, I mean, it's quite a big jump, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of crazy. So, Well, I started doing comedy in Brighton. I used to live in Brighton. Um, oh, me too. 
Oh, did you? Whereabouts did you live? Uh, on Montpellier Street. I know the name, but I can't remember where it is. Where the is Mad it? Hatter's Cafe. Oh, yeah, I know it. That, I used to live there as well, actually. <laughs> um, Silwood Street, like just opposite by um, Waitrose. Anyway, that doesn't matter, does it? We don't Wait, live we there don't, anymore. We digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll meet you there a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I was I was living in Brighton and I was living sort of on my own. Uh, just come out of like a a long-term relationship and I was a bit down and like I was spending too much time on my own and I was like writing scripts and like trying to write things that were funny and I'd always wanted to try stand-up and I just thought well I'm not having any luck getting anything made at least with stand-up like you can just do it yourself and you could just book yourself in an open mic night and go and do it so that's what I did I just had one night where I just had quite a lot to drink um I went <laughs> I, I went to the Caroline of Brunswick pub okay. and I did a open mic night that was run by a woman called Maria Kachinga at the time and it was great you know I, pro- I was probably really really bad um but I was not bad enough to not do it again mm-hmm. and everyone was really nice and supportive so I just kept doing it and just over the years I've just been doing it very regularly like I've not really had a week out from not doing it except for like the lockdown so you know opportunities and things build and doing the funny women awards I did I did it twice um first time I did it I think I got through to like the semi-final and that was very encouraging and then like the next time I did it I got through to the finals and that was a great opportunity it was one of the first sort of opportunities that I had to perform to like a really big audience and stuff so did you change your material from um one from the entering in the first time to the funny women awards to the second time yeah I think I did yeah I, I don't usually have I don't do the same material a lot you know like I do now like I'm trying to get better at um holding on to stuff but I don't know stand-up's quite like a like you have to be topical and like in the moment quite a bit and I find that a lot of material just loses relevancy really quickly. So yeah, mm-hmm. like from then, to, from the first time to the second time, I think there was about a year in between, right? So maybe even longer, I can't even remember. It might have not even been, it might have been the one after the the next one, but either way, yeah, I think I was doing mostly new material. Did the awards kind of open any specific industry doors for you? Kind of what did that do for you? So it's hard to say really I mean I'm sure that it did but it didn't directly you know like I I'm sure that I got messages from people saying oh you know I saw you at Funny Women and I liked it and stuff like that but I didn't I don't remember getting any like anyone reaching out directly like I didn't get my agent from there or anything but that doesn't mean that just because it wasn't directly helpful doesn't mean that it wasn't helpful at all you know it's like a really good thing to have on your you know comedy cv it's like finalist at funny women awards like people do you know funny women is a respected organization and and people take notice of that you know and then because of that you know funny women have been really good to me and sort of offered me gigs you know way after then so so yeah it all adds yeah (laughs) it all adds up though you know it all adds up especially if you're trying to build like some sort of comedy cv to kind of pitch to agents or promoters or anything like that you know having that experience and showing that you're willing to go through the sort of competition process and sort of like prove yourself like yeah yeah, it's, it's like honing your material isn't it 
Exactly. Yeah. And it's one thing that's always been nice about funny women and, and other organizations is uh, that I've done like competitions for is that, you know, just because you don't necessarily get through the first time, they do remember you and, and they do tend to book you in between. And like, it's not, re- not heavily gatekept in the way of like other things. So. And weren't you also a finalist for the um, comedy shorts? I was, yeah. I made this really like, bad web series well like looking back on it now I think it's really bad um it came out of just being in lockdown you know and being frustrated and I filmed this six episode web series that when I look back on it you know it didn't have a lot of narrative structure I don't think it was like really that good but funny women very kindly did um promote it and um yeah I was in like the long list or the shortlist, or I was in a list. I was in, I was in definitely <laughs> in a list about it, which was very nice. Um, because I think like only about 40 people watched it anyway. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's not, it's, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say it's, it's worth watching. <laughs> Is that bad to say? I don't know. Look, you could plug whatever you like or not plug as, as yeah. There's, I, I dance a lot in it. I think like I, I padded out a lot of the, the script with just me dancing in every episode. So, that's a tip if you're if you're ever stuck with where you want your script to go just do a dance you heard it here yeah exactly you're listening to funny women behind the scenes all the backstage gossip and more um so what are you working on at the moment oh um well I have a couple of podcasts that I do um I have a podcast that I do called um trans lobby which is me and my co-host P. Deneen, who is an Irish uh, dramaturg, uh, theatre person. Um, and basically we just watch like old movies with trans representation in them and just sort of make fun of them and just talk about how things have changed. That's basically it. Um, I'm writing stuff, always always trying to write stuff. Um, I'm working on my a debut hour at the moment called Peak Trans, which is sort of about like the gender critical movement and everything going on in the UK at the moment. And I'm doing previews of that at the moment. So they're the two main things. Other than that, there's always some sort of like script or pilot that I'm trying to like send off to people and get attention (laughs) for, you know. So tell us more about your debut hour show that you're writing, Peak Trans. Yeah, so it started off as something completely different. And then during the lockdown, I did the first preview of it, which was like an online thing for Next Up Comedy. Um, and obviously that was such a a weird way to do it. And it was it's all new and I had to kind of like really adapt to make it make sense. So I, mm-hmm. I came up with this whole stupid thing where I'm like dressed in like mountaineering gear and like it's like all a metaphor and all that kind of stuff and um it worked really well on over camera because I had like a little mountain and it was very visual and that um and I didn't really think I would pursue that exact same thing in the real world but it's kind of working <laughs> so <I'm> gonna... <laughs> but basically it's just it's it's about sort of like all the fighting and disagreements and everything that's happening with the gender critical movement and and apparent trans activists gone wild and stuff like that and I'm just trying to sort of sort out 
all those issues. Mm-hmm. I've, I've taken it upon myself to be the uh, spokesperson for the entire trans community, <laughs> which is always what I've wanted. So, so what's the what's the metaphor for the uh, for the mountaineering? Well, I'm <laughs> so I'm previewing it at the moment. I'm kind of hoping that I'll manage to work that out a little bit better. But the very simple metaphor of it was like oh it's a mount like it's a peak of a mountain <laughs> like you have to <laughs> climb up it it was extremely loose it was there wasn't so basically like the term peak trans like I realized that like not pe- not the term peak trans I've realized that not a lot of people really know what it means it's quite like a niche okay. sort of thing but basically what it means is it's like it's a term coined by the gender critical movement sort of to mean that moment when you finally had enough of the quote-unquote trans agenda right like you Mm. you you hit your peak you got you got peak trans it's the way they speak so I just took the name (laughs) and I sort of stole it and I'm just kind of trying to reinvent it um it's basically it really you know it's at that stage now where I'm I've got like loads of material and I've got loads of ideas and now I'm just trying to do it and figure it out and see where it goes. It's almost like you have to sort of just wait and see. Like I'm not one of those people. I don't write a lot of stuff like physically down. Um, oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. yeah I write process. like, yeah, I do like bullet points. Um, I just find that if I write something down, it kind of like becomes almost like you're writing a book or something and it becomes like oh this is what it needs to be but actually if you're doing it actively then it's almost like it's telling you how it needs to be do you know what I mean like it's just growing more than it's really interesting isn't it that work in progress stage where the the show has its own life yeah I think it's really necessary and I think like because of lockdown um everyone's so frustrated at not being able to do that you know it's all very well like sitting down and you know hypothetically writing your show but (laughs) if you're not actually doing it and not actually getting a response from anybody to know whether the joke is good or not then you might as well just be writing like a TED talk really like you don't know what you're doing (laughs) so I've been really enjoying being back in comedy yeah it's like it's been really great. (laughs) You converse with your audiences yeah, I I do a bit like so the the work in progress is that I've got coming up and the couple that I've done already, they have been a little bit like that because the audience know it's a work in progress, but you kind of I always feel like I have to remind them in the middle of it, you know, and be like, it's gonna be rough, it's gonna, you know, I don't know what I'm doing a hundred percent yet. And it is it is good to do that, right? Because it they know they're there for a work in progress and I'm sure they would want to be a part of it. You know, they're kind of like a part of how it's going and like, they're kind of helping you. Right. I also have um, a Patreon that I started during lockdown and that's been really nice because, you know, I've got a few followers on there and sometimes I'll post like sets that I do um, leading up to previews or I'll just post like a whole 30 minute set or whatever, which I would never do in the past. I would never do to like the, the general public because mm. you don't want too much of it out there because like most of it is bad but it's been really nice to kind of get feedback like that it's been helpful you know not that you should ever like write your show 
written by committee or whatever like you should like do what you want to do but mm. I don't know it's just it's nice to have people that are interested in it you know it's nice to have an audience isn't it yeah exactly <laughs> a, li- a little audience but an audience nonetheless yeah it's, it is nice it's I nice. should I should mention at this point the funny women have a patron account too <laughs> you gotta get that money you gotta do it we've got to get it in <laughs> we're, we're, we're all hustling we're all hustling it's now, nice I- though isn't it patron it's like it feels it's something that I put off for a long time because I just didn't feel like anyone would would want to join it and then I did it and I was like oh people do want to give me money <laughs> I was like, okay <laughs> I guess I'll let you then so I you you're a writer and I was reading your blogs actually uh which I thought were fantastic and uh, I really like the dating one oh yeah <laughs> yeah that come out of a deep frustration that one yeah. um so I want to ask you more about your writing or ask you more about your blogs and do they did they work their way into your stand-up sets or are they separate things I don't really think of anything as separate like they're not they're not based on like a an unused bit or an idea or anything like that they're literally like the blogs and stuff are just things that I'm thinking at the moment or like I write because I feel like I've got something that I need to say at that point and hopefully it's funny or whatever. But the good thing is, is like they all complement each other. You know, the more you're writing one thing, you should then, it should help you to write other things because you come up with little ideas or you come up with little things you go, oh, that wouldn't really work in this, but it might work in that. Or you write a thing in, so for example, if I write like a two page, I don't know, like a thousand words article, um, it won't be funny at the pace of like a well devised overtime stand-up set is going to be funny. And a lot of jokes work well written down, but they don't work said out loud. But every mm. now and then there'll be like a thing in there that you'll be like, oh, that could be a premise. That could be something that I could expand on more. And I just I just think they all complement each other. I would just, if you know, I'm always hesitant to give advice because like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But for me personally the more I write anything, the the more it helps me to generate other things like stand up or scripts or whatever, you know? Because it it seems to me that you have a whole like spectrum of different mediums that you use to, for your comedy. Yeah. Can Can we kind of talk through those? Sure. Of course. I, um, I guess I just like the internet as well, you know, like, so I have like a YouTube channel and I post silly videos to that and that's one thing I guess just trying to stay relevant or whatever but the thing is is like no one watches my YouTube videos you know relative to for example like my Twitter account like my Twitter account is where I mostly post stuff it's like a you know Twitter's like a blog that's just never ending you know it's like well it's like the perfect sort of platform I think I know a lot of people hate Twitter but I really like it because it's like a stream of consciousness sort of blog like you can post like videos and images I, I don't know why I'm telling you what Twitter is I know that you know what to everyone knows what Twitter <laughs> is it's like I feel like I'm like like oh in my day no, we had this thing called Twitter. no it's interesting though isn't it that it, all the different artists I talk to everyone has a certain preference for what social media platform just works for them yeah mine is definitely Twitter because it's like it's really disposable you know it's like you you post something and maybe you're quite proud of it in the moment, like a video or whatever that you've spent hours doing. And then you know that in like a week, it's going to be so far down the timeline, like you're just never going to see it again. And 
I kind of like that about it. Um, and I like the way that you can kind of, I mean, I don't really do this, but I like the way that you can tell different kinds of stories on Twitter. You know, like some people will make, a, some people will make like a Twitter account and they will use that Twitter account to tell a story, you know, like a fictional thing, like where um, the way they're telling the story is through tweets or through images. And, you know, it's, it's just an interesting way to tell stories through the movement of time, you know, that we haven't really had before. But anyway, I use Twitter um, for that sort of thing. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like every different platform that I use, like I have a slightly different voice in it because, because like the person I am on Twitter isn't like the person I am in real life, you know, like they're a bit sort of, I don't know, they just, you, you, you build up like a certain type of persona, I guess. And my Twitter persona is different from my on stage persona, you know, like, like I was saying about, lots of jokes or things that you write physically down they don't work on stage because they're just stupid and they work within twitter because twitter is like a stupid platform where people (laughs) like stupid stuff (laughs) right (laughs) but on stage you have to be a little bit more thoughtful i think I feel um, like um the the social media channels in my mind it's like they've all got different personalities 100 like twitter's like well, I used to think Twitter was like the youthful personality, but I've realised when TikTok came along, yeah, I was that's like, TikTok. Oh. yeah, I was like, oh god, all of us on Twitter, we just think we're young, but we're not. We're like really getting on and TikTok. Like I tried TikTok, I have a TikTok account, but I haven't uploaded anything to it in months because I just find it so intimidating and so like difficult to break. Like I feel like if I was making TikTok videos, I would actively have to conform to sort of like what it is that's popular on TikTok which is like dancing or lip syncing to other people's videos and stuff and I I think if you don't do that stuff on there it's very difficult to to build an audience I don't really want I don't really want to do it because I think it's dumb (laughs) (laughs) so we can find you on Twitter you can find me on Twitter yeah at Jen Ives Comedian (laughs) this is funny women behind the scenes If you want to know more about us, visit www.funnywomen.com. What would be a typical day for you? A typical day for me is like, I get up, I sort of like sit in front of my computer for a while and I like check emails and I listen to like music or watch some stupid YouTube videos. And then I like edit whatever it is that I'm working on. Usually I've got something to edit, right? Like a podcast or video or something. And then like slowly at about 12, one o'clock, I start to like actually write stuff. I try to keep a diary, like not a daily diary. Um, Cause I've learned that if I try to commit to a daily diary, like I just won't and then I'll feel bad and, and then I'll stop doing it. It's just like every other day when, whenever there's something to talk about really. But I find that really helps to kind of like get started with writing. Just write about how you're feeling at that moment. Try not to worry too much about whether it's funny or not. And then you can go on to something else and get into the rhythm of it sort of thing. And then I just do that for a bit. And then I usually have a gig. Like they're getting a bit more frequent now, now that everybody's coming back from lockdown. And then at the gig, I usually drink too much. And then like stumble home forget where I live <laughs> that sort of thing <laughs> um yeah I think we've all been there <laughs> yeah but that is that is very much my sort of schedule at the moment like I recently uh quit my job 
um which is quite nice oh really what were you doing a a, a, like a day job yeah I was doing like a full-time job um I was working as like a digitization officer or something but yeah no it's really lovely like I mean it's a risk it's always it's always a risk to to give that kind of thing up but the thing is I told myself that I would like quit and like try and commit to comedy full-time when I got an agent and when I was making a certain amount of money and I realized that I had got to that point and I was still doing the job out of like comfort or security or whatever so I quit it and now I can just like focus on it 100% and I think I need that you know I need like something to actually push me into did it feel like a significant moment kind of quitting that job it did yeah because I was kind of like floating out there to like friends and stuff and saying like oh I'm thinking of doing this but I don't really know and literally like all three or four friends that I asked they just said like yeah do it and I was like okay but if I go destitute like <laughs> I'm coming for you kind of thing um so you said you don't like giving advice but um I'm gonna ask you for some okay uh, if, if that's okay as long as it's asked for then it's okay <laughs> unsolicited advice is, is the worst um, so what advice would you give to kind of up and coming comedians or budding comedians who might be in a similar position that you were? Um, what advice would you give to them kind of approaching their career in comedy? I would say not to worry about not being ready for things, because that is like one of the worst things that I think I hear is like, say, for example, there's a comedy competition that you want to enter, right? Maybe it's called Funny Women. I don't know. It might not be that one. It might be a different one. <laughs> there are other comedy <laughs> conditions. But um, I often hear people who have been maybe going like a year or a year and a half or whatever, and, and they'll say like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to enter the competition because I'm not ready and I wanna, I'm going to wait a year to enter it or whatever. I would say like, unless it's like one of those weird competitions where they're like, oh, if you do it, this amount of times you can't ever do it again maybe then but just do it like just do it because you'll learn so much from doing it like and so for example that first funny women one that I did like yeah it was disappointing not to not to get through to the finals or win it like I mean I've never won a competition but that feeling of progression was real like like I did better the second time and then I entered a different competition and I did better then and I started getting offered things and you just build up your profile and I just don't think you'll you will build up your profile unless you take those little risks because they're not risks really they feel like risks at the time because Mm. they're like because when you first start doing comedy everything feels so so important you know like and, and it should do you know like my first gig felt like the most important thing in the world you know I didn't want to I didn't want to feel stupid I didn't want to fail and then the first competition I entered it felt like so important you know what if I do really badly and what if there's some like suit in the audience with a big cigar and they they think oh I'm never gonna never gonna book that person because they were rubbish this one time the truth is is like people aren't thinking about you that much and like people see you and then they forget so you have to do it as much as you can to to get noticed and remembered I guess yeah and it's that idea isn't it that actually um you're never failing I don't think so I I don't 
I don't believe in that either. Like I, I used to feel like I was like, and I understand why, because, you know, comedy is difficult. It is a hard thing. Not for everybody. There are some people that are like super talented and just naturally funny and I hope they die. (laughs) But um, there are also people like me who I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like I have to be constantly doing it and sort of, you learn from your mistakes and you figure out what's funny. And if you're not doing it and you're not, you know, quote unquote failing, you're not making any mistakes to learn from. It's like, so for example, now, like I don't really think a lot of comedians worry about like bombing on stage, you know, like I've got this new bit. What if people don't laugh? But the thing is, is that first five minutes that you wrote originally, you did that without any knowledge of how to, do comedy you know you wrote that like as a complete amateur so technically you should be able to do it again but like better this time so just do it again and if people don't laugh it doesn't matter it really doesn't matter like I still have gigs where I try out material and obviously it doesn't really work but the the difference is now is that when I come off stage I don't beat myself up about it because sounds cheesy but like the trying is is the success you know you have you have to wade through all that stuff you just have to do it and I think you have to love that like I think I think you can learn to love it but I think you really have to love the challenge of it um in order to sort of like get by and stand up I think now considering you don't like giving advice I feel like that was an absolute gem-packed uh piece of advice there I'm glad you that- think so I felt like I was rambling <laughs> like an idiot <laughs> And you know what's really interesting to me with with time and time again with all the artists I speak to is this idea of having a really hard work ethic. You know, it's a, it's a craft. You just got to keep crafting, keep working, keep grafting at it. Um, before we wind up, can you tell our wonderful listeners where they can find you? So you can find me mostly online. Um, you can find me on Twitter, which is at Jen Ives Comedian. Also, I have a website called jenives.net. You don't have to do the www dot anymore, apparently. <laughs> so it's what people tell me. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I used to have to do, I remember I had to go http dot dot slash slash w. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Who like, so that's a good observational comedy there. <laughs> Who remembers HTTP? Um, where else can you find me? You can listen to my new podcast, Trans Lobby. Um, that's like on all podcasting platforms. Just type Trans Lobby. Fantastic. That Jen, was very professional. It was very that. professional. <laughs> um, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to talk to you today. Um, to all of our wonderful listeners, please go and find Jen online. And most importantly, go and see her in a show live. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely chatting to you, Ivy. <laughs> I'm going to entice her out of the gin cabinet. It is Funny Women founder, Lynn Parker. Hello, Ivy. So good to see you back. Did your uh, rest in the gin cabinet help with your COVID? I think the gin helped. (laughs) Disclaimer, we don't know if it helps with COVID. (laughs) No, we don't. Um, well, how fantastic to listen to all of Jen's wonderful advice. Oh, yes. Jen is, she's very inspirational, actually, isn't she? Don't you think? Yeah, very much so. There's so much I want to pick up on. Um, I think, first of all, I'd like to start with the conversation about having another job. Yeah. 
do uh, if you have another job does that mean that you're not a professional comedian um and is there a point where you jump off the comedy edge if that were into Mm -hmm. the you know full-fledged this is the only thing i do Do you know what? It's so different for lots of different people because some people already work in the industry. They might work in television production or box office management. So you're technically in that industry, but you start doing stand-up. I suppose the jump-off point is when, as Jen said, when you can actually afford to cover your rent and pay your bills based on your earnings and of course the last 18 months has challenged all of that so a lot of people including your good self and other people we know have do other things you know to earn money um I don't think there's any problem with that and I think that notion of portfolio working is so part of today's uh, workplace environment lots of us do lots of different things I think I completely agree with you and I actually have take real issue to there's something fundamental in the world of the arts particularly that if you do something else there is this very strange underlying <laughs> thing of somehow you have failed yeah uh, and and it, I've I've experienced that from other people that slightly yeah. oh are you are you giving up or um you have you haven't somehow made it i don't know what made uh, it means it's, um it's it's horrible there's so much stigma around it but people like yourself yeah. and other people we both know who teach or run workshops it's all part of their rich creative mix and we need we all need that you know we do all need to be giving something of ourselves i am my beef is the number of people that sort of say to me oh are you still doing your funny women thing (laughs) like it's like some weird hobby and the number of times i've had to explain in now nearly 20 years that it isn't a hobby this is how i earn my living but it's it's the perception as you say that entertainment isn't a proper job i think that's it I will tell you a prime example of this is um, recently I was walking down the street. I saw a, somebody I'd know. And obviously I, we've talked about the fact that I've been teaching during the pandemic. And, uh, and they said, oh, well, you couldn't do burlesque forever. <gasps> no. And they didn't say it out of malice. This is no, truthfully. It's, it wasn't, a, it's a misunderstanding. I, I, yeah. it was, and every part of my body was like, I will do it until the end of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know that it was no it was not in any way meant to upset mm. me, but it's still there's that thing of well, uh all of them feed into each other. Yes. And and actually it's like it's different for everybody. And do you know what? Jen nailed it talking about that whole mixed media approach. Look at all the different oh, things she's doing. And isn't that amazing? And I, the only other thing I want to pick up on what she said uh, in, the, in your discussion was the, the bit about testing material and how she works. You don't all have to write a script. You know, she, she's constantly testing things in different environments on Twitter, in her podcasts, in her stage shows. I really admire that. What a hard worker. Yeah, Amazing. I, I think it's time and time again, we we speak to artists, don't we? And we have come back to this whole thing about working your material. Mm. Um, e- editing your darlings, I think Lynn um, Ruth Miller said. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's a similar it's a similar thing, isn't it? And one of the things I loved about what Jen was talking about is this almost like firing off ideas. Mm. It's almost like fireworks in every direction. Let's try it on Twitter. Twitter has got a different, I write different on Twitter than I do on my YouTube channel. This is a different voice of how I present my material and stuff that I write in an article Mm. perhaps is a, you know, has a slightly different voice than when I say it as a stand-up. So inspirational and also generating so many ideas. Yeah. And, and, she probably wouldn't thank us for saying this, but I also think that her work is very brave and we don't celebrate that enough. But she is brave and uh, stands... I love the fact that she's got herself down as the sort of poster poster woman for the trans community. Um, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, she deserves all the success she can get. Yeah, an exceptionally important artist, which, you know, is uh, referenced in being interviewed by the New York Times, yeah. which is, frankly, quite an incredible <laughs> yeah. accolade for, yeah. for, for someone, isn't it? Yes. Well, on that note, I am going to send you back to the gin cabinet and I'm going to instruct you to listen to Jen's podcast while you're yeah, in there. I will. Thanks very much, Ivy. Thanks, Lynn. You've been listening to Funny Women Behind the Scenes with Ivy Page. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share.